Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. In the year 1718, John Wesley was 14 years old. And years later, God would use John Wesley to start the great Methodist revival in England. Also in 1718, Jonathan Edwards was 14 years old. And later, God would use Jonathan Edwards with the first great revival movement in American history called the Great Awakening. In 1718, Benjamin Franklin was 12 years old, but in 1718, David Brainerd was born. He would become the missionary to the Indians of New England. Here is David Brainerd's personal diary. After he died at age just 29, Jonathan Edwards, his friend, published this diary. It has never gone out of print. For 250 years, this diary has been an encouragement to countless missionaries. So, John, John Wesley himself said, quote, let every preacher carefully read over the life of David Brainerd. What I want to do on this program is to tell you the story of David Brainerd's life and then draw lessons from his life for ours. So would you pray with me? Father, we want to pray. If there's a missionary out there that doesn't know he or she is to be a missionary yet, that you would call them to the work you have for them. Those of us who are staying at home, Lord, inspire us to be a David Brainerd wherever we're at. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The life of David Brainerd. David Brainerd was born on April 20th, 1718 in Connecticut. He was one of 10 children. His father was a strict Puritan. He was raised therefore in a very devout Christian family. There was a tendency to depression in the Brainerd family and it appears David inherited this. David Brainerd's father died when David was only nine years old. Then his mother died when he was 14. Being an orphan at 14, David Brainerd moved in with his married sister. And he writes of his religious life at this time, and he says that he was religious but had no true grace. When he was 20 years old, he read the Bible through twice and discovered that his religion was legalism, trying to earn his salvation by his own good works. Then he got converted. And here is what happened an hour before sunset at the age of 21 in a lonely place where he went to pray. Here's what he writes. As I was walking in a dark, thick grove of trees, unspeakable glory seemed to open to my soul. It was a new apprehension that I had of God, such as I had never before. 
So I stood still and wondered and admired. My soul rejoiced with joy unspeakable to see such a God, such a glorious divine being. And I was inwardly pleased and satisfied that he should be God over all forever and ever. My soul was so captivated and delighted with the excellency, the loveliness and the greatness of God that I was even swallowed up in him. Thus the Lord, I trust, brought me to a hearty desire to exalt him, to set him on the throne, and to seek first his kingdom, that is, principally to aim at his honor and glory as the king of the universe. I felt myself to be in a new world. He got converted. Two months after his conversion, Brainerd enters Yale University to become a pastor. He discovers that the religious atmosphere at Yale is pretty bleak. In the second year of school, David Brainerd was 22 years old, started coughing up blood because he had contracted tuberculosis. He would have tuberculosis for seven years. He had to go home. Then he comes back to Yale to discover the spiritual climate has changed. George Whitfield, the great preacher, has preached at Yale. And some students now were zealous in their faith. And there became two kinds of faculties. Those, the faculty members who took Christ seriously and those who were less religious. A division started. So they brought in the preacher, Jonathan Edwards, hoping he would calm down these overly religious students. Just the opposite happened. Jonathan Edwards came in and said, this revival is of God. Yes, there are excesses, but still, this is where we should be heading. Well, the trustees were disappointed, and the day that Jonathan Edwards preached, the Yale officials came up with this statement, quote, if any student of this college shall say that the trustees or teachers are hypocrites or unconverted men, he shall for the first offense make a public confession in the hall and for the second offense be expelled. Well, David Brainerd was there hearing Jonathan Edwards preach at Yale and David Brainerd was overheard to say to a fellow student that some teachers here have no more grace than a chair and Brainerd wondered out loud why the rector of Yale hadn't fallen down dead because of his trying to put out the students fire in their Christian zeal. Well, he was heard saying that and he was expelled from Yale. It crushed him. His desire in life was to be a pastor. To be a pastor, he had to go to either Yale or Harvard, only place you could get a, a pastoral degree. And he tried again and again to get back into Yale. It never happened. And he was heartbroken. Then some pastors came to, came to David Brainerd and asked him, would you be a missionary to the Indians? Now, that was not his dream in life, but he said yes. So in 1743, David Brainerd arrived in Massachusetts and preached to the Indians. Uh, for one year, he started an Indian school, translated parts of the Bible into their language. The next year, in 1745, he preached to the Indians in Pennsylvania, and then he made his first preaching trip to preach to the Indians in New Jersey. And it was in New Jersey where God started to move, and within a year, there were 130 Indians who had converted to Christ. 
Brainerd stayed with these Indians until he was too sick to minister. He went back home to recuperate, but he never did. In 1747, Brainerd made one last visit to his Indian converts, and then he rode to the home of Jonathan Edwards, the famous preacher, and Jonathan Edwards and his daughter brought him into their home, tried to nurse him back to health for six months, but Brainerd died in Edwards' home at the age of 29. That is the short life of David Brainerd. But what he packed into his little life. I mean, of that 29 years, he was only converted for seven. But what he put into those years. Here's the lessons I want to share now I get for our lives from David Brainerd. Number one, God can use even our mistakes for his glory. Romans 8:28. we know that God causes all things, even our mistakes, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. David Brainerd says one careless word to a fellow student, he's kicked out of Yale and now he can't be a pastor. Well, God didn't want him to be a pastor. God wanted him to be a missionary. So God can use even our mistakes for his glory. Second thing I learned from David Brainerd, God uses weak sick saints for his glory. Brainerd wrote this in his diary. I rode several hours in the rain through the howling wilderness, although I was so disordered in body that nothing but blood came up from me. In the afternoon, my pain increased exceedingly, having lain in cold sweat all night. I coughed much bloody matter up this morning. I am not a little melancholy, that means depressed, and oftentimes I have had little rest in my bed because of my pain. I was able, however, to ride over to my people, the Indians, about two miles every day. In other words, in the days before pain pills, with tuberculosis yet, David Brainerd, with all of his sickness, pressed on to do God's will. Here I was at a, a lady's, an older lady who was in her, on her deathbed, I think. And Pastor Tom, why doesn't the Lord take me home? And I said, I don't know, but as long as you're breathing, he has a purpose for you. God can use sick saints. Maybe you're just supposed to lay in this bed and pray for this world. God uses sick, weak saints for his glory. Next lesson I get from David Brainerd. God uses sinners for his glory. When David Brainerd had his bouts of depression, he keenly felt how sinful he was. He wrote this in his diary. "'Tis distressing to feel in my soul that hell of corruption which still remains in me." In this diary, 22 times he longs to die. <laughs> and he writes, I was scarce ever more confounded with a sense of my own unfitness for my work than now. Oh, what a dead, heartless, barren, unprofitable wretch did I now see myself to be. Now, it's interesting, his diary has encouraged missionaries for 250 years. And I think the reason it gets depressing, but it encourages us, if David Brainerd could have days when he felt like, I'm not for, fit for Christian ministry, I can have them too. Next lesson from David Brainerd. Be willing to suffer for the salvation of souls. 
David Brainerd said this about his life as a missionary to the Indians. I live poorly with regard to the comforts of life. Most of my diet is boiled corn. I lodge on a bundle of straw and my labor is very difficult. I have no bread. I am forced to go 10 or 15 miles for bread. Sometimes it is moldy before I eat it. But through divine goodness, I had some Indian meal of which I made little cakes and fried them. Yet I felt contented with my circumstances and sweetly resigned to God. I mean, here is David Brainerd. He's got tuberculosis. He lives in a hubble. Why? Because he wants the, the Indians to be saved. And, and what, I, what I learned from this is I need to stop thinking about my own comfort so much. I need to be willing to suffer for the salvation of the lost. Do you know, at one point, during this uh, missionary to the activity to the, uh, to the Indians, David Brainerd gets a call from a wealthy, prestigious church in Long Island, New York. They want David to become their pastor. And remember, his life's dream was to be a pastor. He turned down the prestigious call in Long Island. Why? To stay with the Indians. I learned from David Brainerd, we need to get rid of this horrible health and wealth gospel we've got in the United States by some of these TV preachers. We need to remember and be like David Brainerd. I need to be willing to suffer for the gospel and not think about my own comfort. Here's the next lesson I get from David Brainerd. God can use people who struggle to love others. There were days David Brainerd felt love for the Indians. Quote, In the evening I could not help but crying to God for those poor Indians. And after I went to bed, my heart continued to go out to God for them till I dropped asleep. Oh, blessed be God that I may pray. But there were other days he didn't feel so nice toward the Indians. Quote, about noon, I rode up to the Indians, and while going, could feel no desires for them, and even dreaded to say anything to them. In other words, David Brainerd loved the Indians, but he wished he loved them more. I remember seeing a sign on a youth director's desk at a church. The sign said, God loves you, and I'm trying. <laughs> I've been a youth director. I know that feeling. And, you know, that, that was David Brainerd. He loved the Indians, but God will use people that don't love people as well as they should. Next lesson from David Brainerd. Have a secret life with God. Maybe David Brainerd's greatest work was not his work with the Indians, but this little diary. Because people have been reading this little diary for 250 years and have been encouraged to become missionaries, to stay missionaries. His private life with God is probably his greatest accomplishment. When he was dying in Jonathan Edwards' homes, young preachers would come to him and, and, and he'd counsel them and he'd urge them to spend time in prayer. I mean, sometimes in this diary he talks about spending whole days in prayer, setting aside six times a day in prayer, running to this person to have prayer with them. He talks about the importance of fasting. And, and Jonathan Edwards said, rarely did David Brainerd pray and fast for something that something didn't happen. You know, I'll tell you that too. I had a question for God. So, okay, God, I'm going to not eat for 24 hours. Right at the end of 24 hours, I got the answer to my prayer. So just uh, David Brainerd's, pr I hope you pray. 
I hope periodically you fast. I hope you read your Bible. It was David's private life with God that was his main thing in life. So, one last lesson. It's not how long you live, it's how you live. David Brainerd died at age 29, and again, he was only converted for seven of those 29 years, but oh, what he packed into those years. And, and during his last days, he wrote this in his diary. Oh, I long to fill the remaining moments all for God. Though my body was so feeble and wearied with preaching and much private conversation, yet I wanted to sit up all night to do something for God. To God, the giver of these refreshments, be glory forever and ever. Oh, how sweet it is to be spent and worn out for God. In other words, Christians, let's not waste our life on television. You and I just have a few moments left. Let's use those moments for the glory of God for all eternity. Here's what we've learned from David Brainerd. Number one, God can use even my mistakes for his glory. Number two, God uses weak, sick saints for his glory. Number three, God uses sinners for his glory. Number five, uh, be w number four, be willing to suffer for the salvation of souls, not always go after posh New York, Long Island calls. Number five, God can use people who struggle to love others. Number six, have a secret life with God. Pray every day, read your Bible daily. And then it's not how long you live, but how. Now, a lot of the message for this sermon I got from Pastor John Piper, who preached on, on David Brainerd. And John Piper says that he and some friends went out to Northampton, Massachusetts. They found David Brainerd's gravestone. And he said it was very moving. He and his friends got in a circle around David Brainerd's grave and held hands. And they prayed and they thanked God for David Brainerd. And they dedicated their lives to the God of David Brainerd and to the work of David Brainerd. Lord, help us be willing to suffer and lose comfort for the sake of other people's salvation. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of the scriptures, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. You know, Pastor Brock, this is interesting today to hear about this biography. Are there other good Christian biographies yeah. that we should be sure. mentioning that people could learn from? A very inspiring woman was Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India. You could read about Hudson Taylor. You could read about uh, all. You know what I encourage people to do? John Piper, who I just talked about, has a great website called DesiringGod.org. You go there and you punch the button that says biographies. And Jonathan, Ed, uh, uh, John Piper, if, if you go there, you just push the button, or you can read it, and I'd rather just listen. You can read it or, or listen to it. He'll, he'll go on for an hour and a half about David Brainerd. He's very careful in his, in his preparation. Or he'll talk about St. Augustine for an hour and a half, or Martin Luther for an hour and a half. Or just, he'll take these great Christians, and Jackie, it's so inspiring. So I encourage people, either go to your Christian bookstore and pick up a book on Amy Carmichael, or uh, go to DesiringGod.org and hit the Biographies button and just let these saints inspire you. 
I, I think that that would be an excellent solution for people just to be able to listen to yeah. the story I instead. I love it, yeah. Okay, Brainerd turned down a really posh life then to be a missionary to the Indians. Is anyone really doing this today? What has infected the American church, I'll say it again, is this awful thing called the prosperity gospel. And when and we were just talking about it before that the cameras started to roll, there's a horrible preacher on TV, and Jackie, I pray God gets him off the air. He's been doing this for years, where he looks in the camera and tells you that if you sow your, you sow your seed, you send him money, you're going to get healed, you're going to get wealthy, you're going to be a millionaire if you follow his 10 steps. It's not the gospel, it's evil, Jackie. And we need people like David Brainerd who are willing to turn down posh New York congregations to state a missionary to be a missionary to the Indians. These are, you know, are people doing it today? Yes, there are. There are lots of missionaries doing this very thing, but you don't see them on TV. Well, but he thought he was to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. That was his original thinking, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. And discovered that God had other plans? Yeah. How does a person discover God's yeah. plan for their life? Well, you know, in his instance, circumstances forced it. I mean, he still wanted to be a pastor. He couldn't be a pastor anymore. And Jackie, I think that's the way it happens a lot of times. You might want to do this, but absolutely God closes the door and says, you're not going to do that. And so you have to do something else. So sometimes God will bring a circumstance to force the issue. <laughs> you said that God uses six saints, but isn't it God's will that his saints be healed? Mm -hmm. That is another teaching of this heretical doctrine called the prosperity gospel. If you're a believer in Christ, Jackie, you're always going to be healed of your disease. You're always going to be financially prosperous. My response to the prosperity gospel and Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. Paul doesn't say, Timothy, where's your faith? Don't name it and claim it. He says, take your medicine. Uh, now, when Elisha became ill of the illness of which he was to die, Elisha in the Old Testament raised people from the dead. Nothing wrong with Elisha's faith. He still died of an illness. So can you, you know, does God heal people? Of course he does. We pray for healing. I believe in it. James chapter 5, get the anointing of oil, get healed. But sometimes he heals you by taking you out of this planet to a much better place. So is it God's, always God's will to heal people? I don't think so. Because there will be an ultimate healing. That's right. That's the other way to put it is, well, why didn't God heal my grandma? Well, he did. She's now enjoying heaven, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Pastor Brock, do you have any suggestions on how a person should develop a prayer life? Mm -hmm. Because prayer life was certainly important to him. It was. And I would encourage people to have a regular daily quiet time. And uh, in, in that quiet time, you pray, you read your Bible, if you want, you can journal instead of Dear Diary. You say, Dear Heavenly Father, and you just write out to God what you're feeling and thinking. Uh, I use it sometimes. I, I sing to the Lord sometimes in my quiet time. But every Christian needs a regular quiet time. And if you don't have that, I would, I would begin. Uh, if you're a morning person, I have to do it in the morning because if I don't, it often doesn't get done. But if you're an evening person, do it in the evening. But just spend time alone with the Lord. Okay. Have you got any thoughts on how you love difficult people? Because, I mean, he was working with the Indians, mm -hmm. and, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of strength and courage and mm -hmm. 
fortitude to yeah. do things with people that you don't really. And you know, Jackie, I was over the church that you have been born and raised in, Hope Lutheran Church, a wonderful church. But you know, if you stay in one place for 29 years, certain people get under your skin. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have to pray for some of these people when I start thinking about them. And you know what? I think, I think what you do is you say, God, I forgive Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so in Jesus' strength and power, not in my power, but I forgive them in your strength and power. And you do. That, then they're forgiven. You have forgiven them. And God, give me a love for these people. Does that mean, if you think about it, they still maybe drive you nuts? I think it does. You know, we're human. But I have forgiven them in God's sight. Sometimes my feelings don't catch up with the reality that I have forgiven them. Uh, we live with that. But I think in prayer, if somebody's driving me nuts, I pray for them. What do you do with that difficult person if it's a part of your church? Well, you live with them. <laughs> Unless it's, if it's, if it's rebellious, impenitent sin, then, then you have to really say, look, you need to stop doing that or you need to move on. But that's pretty rare. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain Romans 8, 28? Mm -hmm. Paul the Apostle writes, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. And it was Paul's understanding of what's called the sovereignty of God, that God controls absolutely everything. You know, the storms that would hit with Paul on the, on the shipwrecks and all that. You know, God was using one thing to get him somewhere else, you know. And, and I do believe in that, Jackie. Um, if you're, some tragedy hits your life, as old Pastor Forrest at Hope Lutheran used to say, no tragedy can come into the life of a believer without first going before the throne of God to get permission. And he gets that from Job chapters 1, 2, and 3. All that horrible stuff that happened to Job that the devil did, the devil couldn't touch Job unless he went before the throne of God to get permission. So, and to me, Jackie, that's a comfort. I want, you know, some people think that's a horrible way to view God. I want God in control of my tragedies, Romans 8, 28, for my good. I don't want chance or the devil running the universe. I want God ruling my tragedies. But are the tragedies a part of God's plan then? Oh, I do believe they are. They are? I mean, think of the crucifixion of Christ. That was a tragedy. Was that God's plan? It was exactly his plan. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I guess... We're down to 40 seconds. Okay. Would you like to tell what's sure. happening with our ministry? Well, everybody, would you pray for us? If you want to watch these shows without turning on the TV set, just go to pastorstudy.org, two S's. You can watch all of our TV shows there. Pray for our ministry. We're now on nationally, which I didn't know that was going to happen, but the money came in. And pray for us. If God nudges you to give, you can see the address in just a minute. But God bless you. We're so happy to, to be with you on the air all these years, Jackie and I. And, and just uh, may you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time at the Pastor Study. And you remember. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.